Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's another episode of Our Kids Play Goalie today. Again, if you're a skater or a coach that doesn't have a goaltender in your family, stay tuned. This is great information for all of us, as the purpose of these episodes is to expand that position to benefit the entire team. And our guest today is a former professional goalie. Laura Brennan joins us. Uh, she is a fantastic guest. We dive into everything today uh, from perspective, from the might level up of, of things you can do as a goalie, as how we're all goaltending coaches if we're on the ice. Um, all the way to the mental side of goaltending. Just a lot of golden nuggets in this episode, no matter what position you play. So enjoy it. Also, uh, still the holiday season here. So if you're looking for a great gift idea, uh, what we did was aggregate them all together so I don't have to do some annoying read before the show about why this company is right for you. So just head over to ourkidsplayhockey.com and check out our holiday deals. We put them all on one page. So it's great if you're looking for individual deals or team deals. Uh, we just kind of found the best ones we could for you and put them there. So with that said, enjoy this edition of Our Kids Play Goalie with Laura Brennan. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to Our Kids Play Goalie, our monthly movement into the goal crease so we can all learn and discuss the position of goaltending as a community. This is not limited to just goaltending, goaltending parents and goaltending coaches. It's for all of you. Our last goaltending episode did fantastic, so we want to thank you for diving back in with us today. Uh, Lee Elias here with Mike Benelli and Christy Casciano-Burns, and we are joined by a former professional and NCAA Division I netminder. In addition to her time in the crease, she also served as a goaltending coach, assistant coach, interim GM, and assistant GM in the NWHL, which is known today as the Premier Hockey Federation, and she continues to serve today as a USA Hockey Goaltending Development Coordinator for Connecticut and as a coach for youth athletes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Laura Brennan to the show today. Laura, welcome to Our Kids Play Goalie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for being here. As we said, this is a Mike Benelli suggested guest. We do not say no to Mike when he says you got to get this person on. I can't do a, I, I, Mike, I can't they're do a good dunks. impression. Yeah, yeah. They're, slam, yeah. they're slam dunks when they're they get Slam dunks. When my guests come on. That's, <laughs> I mean, it's a hockey show, Mike. That's the best pun. You can do slap shot or that was the best you got. No, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. Come on. Let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get going with her. All right, Laura, listen, I'm going to kind of start these episodes the same way. Every goaltender has a story about how they were placed between the pipes. Uh, Were you voluntold to play? Were you a younger (laughs) sister? Did you naturally flock to that position? How did you become a goaltender? Um, I was, I was voluntold. Um, I grew up in Minnesota and everyone grows up learning how to skate. So I don't remember that part. Um, When I was growing up, girls hockey didn't exist yet so I saw the movie Mighty Ducks and said hey I want to play hockey but then you know my parents are like hey girls girls don't really play hockey 
<laughs> so in third grade, someone in my class brought a rubber ring to show and tell. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with ringette. I know a lot of, you know, youth hockey, they use the ringette ring, turn your sticks over. Um, so I started in ringette, tried goalie in that and uh, had had a misfortune of getting the ring stuck on my finger and throwing the ring in the back of my net. So uh, <laughs> that, that made me kind of shy away from the position for a little bit. And then, you know, once, once I moved into hockey in fifth grade, girls hockey started and um, I transitioned to hockey, played a little bit. And it turns out that I was one of the, the best kids in the net, but I still love scoring goals. And uh, even to this day, I still love scoring goals. Uh, you can see that when I'm coaching the little kids. But uh, by the time I was in eighth grade playing fall hockey, one of my friend's dad said, hey, if you want to be on our team, you you have to be goalie full time. Like we need you to play goalie full time. So I made that transition, thought the pads were cool. So it wasn't too hard of a sell. And then uh, that year I made varsity as an eighth grader. So wow. I think it was a pretty good suggestion for me to play goalie and, and stick with it. So that's kind of how I, I got thrown into the net there. So let me ask this. Um, you mentioned before about there was no girls hockey. So you're you're in a trailblazer pathway here, in my opinion. All right. And I always like to bring this up because I know we have um, fathers and mothers who listen to this show who have daughters playing. I'm one of them. Right. And you have led the way for this to be normal for my daughter. Right. In a lot of different ways. My daughter looks at you and says, oh, women have been playing hockey my whole life. And it's true. Um, right. So from a mental fitness, mental health standpoint, can you dive into maybe some of the challenges you faced with girls don't play hockey, how you overcame that? And then obviously, you know, as a goaltender all the way up through to the uh, NWHL at the time you were there, um, I'm sure you faced a lot of uh, gates, if you will, of people saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How do you overcome that? Um, and, and, and how should we as a hockey community be supporting you and other girls? Right. So I think, you know, we, we've done a really good job you know, as a society to normalize girls playing hockey. Um, when I look back growing up in Minnesota, it's like everybody was skating on the ponds. Everyone was playing together. And I think it was more of parents were concerned about the safety aspect of it, just because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a normal thing. But once, once my parents specifically saw all the gear, they saw that, you know, I wasn't going out there getting injured um, and I was having fun, you know, I, I had a background in, in dance and gymnastics and that was, that was very high intensity, a lot of stress for me. But once I got onto the ice, just skating around, it was, you know, way more fun, less pressure for me. And, and I could enjoy the time being with, with my teammates. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to play with, with girls throughout my entire hockey career where, you know, a lot of a lot of kids don't have that experience and I think it's great to start out co-ed but you know as as you get older there's something different about being with you know a group of girls in the locker room as opposed to being kind of like the outsider as you know maybe one or two girls on the team playing on a boys team. Yeah. I'm glad you said that I just had that conversation with a dad who was wrestling with whether or not to keep his daughter on an all-boys team his argument was well, if she stays with the boys, they're so much faster and more aggressive. And so then when she eventually, his goal was for her to play college hockey, she's going to be the toughest one on the team. And I said, time out. <laughs> Women's hockey has evolved. It's, it's not a bunch of foo-foo girls out there <laughs> delicately hitting a puck. I said, it's fierce hockey. It's competitive. And it said, and your daughter is missing out on the camaraderie, which I have found when Sophia made the switch, she was on an all boys team, hopped over to all girls team. The camaraderie was amazing in the locker room, sharing stories, incredible bonding, where I felt she was a little bit on the outside. Not that the boys didn't accept her as, you know, a sister, which was great. And they were very protective of her on the ice, which sometimes interfered with uh, some of the play as well, because 
Sophia was the target. She had the ponytail. When boys saw the ponytail, they they hit the ponytail girl and they thought that was cool. And then our boys would go out and protect her. So when she transitioned over to the girls team, it was an amazing um, for her on, on a lot of levels, um, competitively, the camaraderie, and just kind of a, a different style of play. Very, very, a lot of finesse. Yeah. I don't know if you found that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the differences in, in the style of play, but, um, you know, now the girls game is getting faster. It's getting physical. Um, you watch one of these pro games, there's tons of hitting in them, even though, you know, body checking isn't legal. Um, you, you still get a lot of body contact. So that's, that's one of like the, the stigmas against the girls game is like, Oh, you know, they're, it's it's soft there's no hitting but um it, it's definitely changing and especially at the the youth level um you know girls take that growth spurt a lot faster than the boys mm -hmm. do so sometimes you'll you'll see like a giant girl on a team and it's it's surprising but um you know it's it's cool to have them you know integrated but it's also cool to you know see them on girls specific teams as well yeah, I, I know we're I know we're in like like the goalie centric piece here, and, and I probably want to stick on the goaltending side. But just from a from a from a beginner hockey, you know, youth hockey level with the girls, what I found is the the quicker we separate the girls into their own groups uh, and into their own communities, uh, I, I just found they they're more comfortable, like they're more open to learning, they're more open to having fun. Like, and it's a, and whether it's right or wrong, and maybe I'm wrong, but it we teach. I just teach differently. Like I have so much more fun when I see the little girls skating around and they're hitting each other and knocking each other down, and and you know, and and you know, because like the kids I work with, like seven, eight, nine year old boys, can almost be too aggressive. And can be in a point where now, you know, if we want the longevity of the player, forget about the ability for them to get tougher. But if we want them just playing longer and having more fun in that community, um, it's just like it's just like when you grew up in Minnesota. That's why Minnesota hockey is so uh, successful is because of the community involvement. So now you're even micro commuting it. You know, you you have your you have everyone plays hockey, but now you have every every girl plays hockey, every boy plays hockey. And I think the more you can build those communities of of people like people around you the longer you can keep people in the sport and if that's our goal is to play at the highest level then you probably got to be in the sport past the age of 13 and not quit at five or six because right. there was some yucky boys you were playing against that just didn't know how to control their own emotions it's just a different sport i think and and I, and I and i and i don't think there's anything wrong with girls playing with boys or boys playing with girls as far as like competitive nature and skills programs and practices but there is a it, there is a different community when it comes to as the girls get older and the boys get older that, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old boys and girls are different. And right. I think and then now now you throw goaltending into it. I mean, one of the one of the, I think one of the things I'm getting to is one of the aspects I think of goaltending, Laura, for you growing up right in high school is like as a goaltender you're kind of hidden in the net. You have the mask on, you have the pads on. Like a lot of times, if you didn't know you were a girl, you wouldn't even know you were a girl. You're just making saves. So, you know, you're, and you're competing. So it is a little different in the net, right? Than if you're, if you're a skater. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different in the net. Um, what I saw as, as I got to higher levels is, you know, I, I did play a, a season over in Sweden and I was on the women's team there, but sometimes I would practice um, with the men's team as well. But just the, the speed of their shot and the release of their shot was, was quicker. So then when I would go back into my, my women's team or my women's games over there, my, my timing was thrown off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's one thing I see with, you know, youth goalies as well is, Hey, we want to skate with, bigger, faster, stronger kids all the time. And if, if they're trying to train with kids that are at a higher level than them, and then they go back to their teams, it, it does mess with the timing of, of their saves. So that's one thing I'm, I'm always a little bit wary about when, when people ask me who they should be training with. So I, I want to dive into the gold anything like Mike said, this is the last thing I'll say on this. And, and Laura, if you want any final thoughts, please feel free is that this is something I've learned is that, you know, you have to take a look around your locker room and ask yourself, uh, do most of the people in this room look like me? 
All right. And then come to the conclusion of a, you will not understand what it's like to be somebody else in their shoes. And that's okay. Right. Like, I think that it's, it, it, you have to understand you're not going to understand and that's okay. Right. I, I will never understand what it is to be a woman or anybody other than me. That's okay. Right. But then you have to ask your, yourself the questions of, uh, you know, is this person feeling welcome? Is this person understanding? Right. So again, I don't want to make this into like a, a social episode. I'm just saying that we don't do that enough. Too many people assume, well, this is the way it is. It's fun. We should be with everybody else. And it's true, but you have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes to the best of your ability and, and maybe ask questions. And that's what we're doing here. So, um, Lars, anything else on that? I wanted to move on to the goaltending stuff because I got some good I questions. I do want to get on to the goaltending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've yeah. got a ton of questions for you. I guess my biggest question is just the psychological toughness that you need to be a goalie. And maybe some advice for parents. I had a dad come up to me. I was at a, a youth hockey tournament this weekend and a dad came up. I don't know if he was looking for I know, sympathy or praise. He proudly <laughs> announced, my son just announced he wants to be a goalie. And I just looked at him and he had terror in his eyes. I didn't quite know what to do at that point. Like you poor guy or yay. Yeah. So what advice would you give to parents whose kids just suddenly announce, I want to be a goalie? I mean, the the position, like, you know, you can be the hero or you you can have have a rough game and, and feel like, you let everyone down and um, you know, it's, it's definitely a team sport. And that's one thing that everyone has to remember from, you know, goalies, players to parents, it's a team sport. So a goalie doesn't lose a game. And, you know, if, if everyone at the might level, like I'm, I'm a big proponent of every kid trying to play, even if they don't want to play, they, they need to see what it feels like, you know, they need to know what it feels like to make a save. They know what it feels like to let in a goal. So you have that empathy for, for the goalie in the net. I know like sometimes kids get on teams and, you know, they, they have teammates that are, are, you know, great, but they also have teammates that, you know, sometimes say things to them with, if they give up a goal that that teammate thought that maybe they should have had. And, you know, every goalie does it. I mean, I've, I've let in terrible goals and, you know, it feels terrible, but you know, if, if you have teammates say something to you on top of that, you know, it, it makes the position a lot harder. So I think, you know, every, every kid should be trying it. So they know how it feels. Let's stay on the mites for a minute. We'll move our way up all the way to the pros and coaching. Uh, my son, I'm like not afraid to say this anymore. He, he's a goalie, right? I mean, he's fully dived in the position here over the last two months. Uh, yeah, Mike signed for me over there. Um, I've enjoyed yeah. it so far. Mike, look, here's the progression yeah. real quick, Laura, for you. So he said he wanted to do it. I said, fine. He goes in the net first game, gets a shutout. And I went, oh boy, this is not going to help his decision. And so I told my wife, I said, look, at some point he's going to get pumped and then we'll know. And it happened. He lost a game by a lot of goals. The team did, as you said. And he was fine. He was like, I want to get back in. I said, oh, this kid really gets it, right? He's starting to get it. Um, so my question for you are, what are the basic fundamentals? I'm not just talking mentally <laughs> that we should be working on with him right now as a new goaltender. I'm, I'm understanding this kid's not going to understand everything about every save, right? Where do you start with a kid? He completely loves it. He's ready to do it. He wants to skate, right? Where do I start? I always start with, you know, basic goalie skating, you know, start from the stance, teach them. There's basically three goalie skating techniques, which is forward and backward C cuts, which pretty much every hockey player always, like they have those ingrained pretty much. Um, shuffles, which are side to side movements. Um, you know, you keep your toes forward, scrape the ice a little bit, and then T pushes, which um, you turn your foot and kind of push and glide and then stop. So I go over those movements. They're the shuffles and the T pushes. They're kind of known, but not really known. Um, they may have seen them, but they don't necessarily have a name to put with them. And then, um, you know, from getting them comfortable moving around, you know, throw in a butterfly and um, show them how to use their stick. Um, I'm a huge proponent of stick work. Stick saves are the most predictable. 
you know where that puck's going to go if it hits your stick. So that's one of the first things I work on with goalies, you know, either standing up or in their butterfly, working on the rotations with that just so they can get some control. And then after that, I, I kind of move on into some other things. Yeah, so real quick, say, Mike? yeah, so real quick on 10 new goalies. I just wondering like on that stick, right? Cause that becomes a thing. Like, especially like in my world, we do a lot of quick change gear and goalies in goalies out. We want everybody to try it. Right. But we also, when you try it and again, we don't want to discourage everyone from playing goalie. We need good goalies. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I probably discourage people. I'm like, Oh my God, like this, you're going like, do you understand where you're going with this? Like, this is a big, this, I, it shouldn't be a big, step but it is a big step but because of the way we're in a quick change world right and to, to your point eight you and ten you you know kids could play goalie at any time now look at you you didn't specialize until you were in high school for god's sakes i mean and i think but that's you know i think that's where a lot of a lot of parents get a little caught up in you know seven eight nine year old specialization which is one thing but the stick like are you are you like would you recommend like where is that size of a stick like where like where like you don't need you don't need a paddle that's a three hundred dollar stick right for a ten year old you need a, a would you say a properly sized stick and weight is much more important than like what what it's made out of yeah definitely like I still don't even play with with the carbon fiber sticks I I prefer a foam core stick myself but um. You know, a, a properly sized stick, um, if the organization has two, say, 21 or 22 inch sticks, mm -hmm. um, that that could be useful for, for pretty much all of the mites at, at that level. So, Laura, we just found that out. My, my son, when, when he first jumped in, obviously, we were using the team's pads and all they had was basically a cut down adult goalie stick. And it created a lot of problems because just the way he had to hold it, he was sitting almost back in the net because it was so tall. And as soon as we gave him a 21 inch uh, paddle, um, it, it changed everything for me. <laughs> it was way more comfortable in that. So uh, where I want to kind of go with this, and this is what I think is important, Mike, really for this is coaches. How many of you are aware of the things that Laura just spoke, uh, spoke of? I wrote it down, shuffling, T pushes, size of the goalie stick. You know, do you have adequate equipment for the kids to even try goaltending effectively? And if you're not aware, and some of you may be for sure of of shuffles and 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 tee pushes, um, USA Hockey has some great resources on this that you can implement into your goaltending plan or to help your goaltenders at practice. And that's one of the reasons we're doing these episodes is we don't think, and again, for all the coaches out there that are doing this, God bless you, but we just don't think there's a lot going into these practices of oh, I need to work with whoever is in net on some of these basic fundamentals. And I'm also going to use them as a chance to learn more about my, my own son and <laughs> try to help him get better between the pipes because uh, I'm in a unique position to be interviewing professional goaltenders and professional people every, every month with this. So thank you for that. Um, you know, the next question I have, and we kind of just jumped into this is what are the questions youth coaches should be asking that they're not currently asking? Right. So I think every youth coach is capable of putting a good practice plan together for the skaters, right? Assuming they don't have a goaltending coach. What are those questions or what are those thoughts they should be having when they're planning? Um, one thought that I just jumps out at me is, you know, they have a goalie on their team. So they need to consider themselves to be a goalie coach because right. if you go to any any training where it's a bunch of coaches, you ask, you know, hey, how many people out here are goalie coach? You know, you get a couple of people maybe raise their hand, but if you're a coach and you have a goalie on your team, you are a goalie coach. And if you are afraid to talk to goalies, I know a lot of people say, like, I wasn't a goalie. I don't know what to say to them. I don't want to mess them up. There's there's a lot of resources out there. You can ask questions. I'm a goaltending development coordinator in Connecticut. We do try hockey for, or try goalie for free days through USA Hockey. Um, we can put on clinics that are goaltending based, bronze level, silver level clinics um, in the state. So last, last year I did one up in South Windsor. And this year, I, I'm not sure if any um, communities are looking to put those together, but that's a great resource for coaches from, you know, a specific organization or all over to to get to to get together, learn the basics, 
they have a classroom portion and on ice portion. So I think every coach should be taking those goalie specific development courses. I know USA hockey is incorporating some goaltending stuff into their, their main like level one, level two certs, but the, the goalie specific ones I think should be something that every coach takes as well. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that you, you mentioned that, you know, every, any, if you're on the ice with a goalie, you are a goalie coach. I mean, the fact right. is you you can't, unless you just have a shooter tutor in that you say, you my whole practice is going to be based off of a, 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 you know, some kind of blocking mechanism in the net. And, and there's going to be a goalie instructor working with my goalies off to the side. But I think in the reality of where we're at, we have to be able to manage those 15, 16 players and our goaltenders. So I guess, you know, staying in the youth world of goaltending, you know, where do you and I know, you know, you a lot of a lot of training you do is in a, a smaller rink environment. Um, you know, it's not a traditional sight lines and and all the kind of stuff. So what what advice can you give us as youth hockey coaches when we're working with the little kids and we're doing like the small area game areas or we're doing cross ice hockey or we're doing, you know, something that's not like in a traditional goaltender would look a lot of look at sight lines and look at where they are in the net. Right. But what can we do when we don't have those resources, when we know the net is in the corner, it's facing the glass, it's a battle drill one-on-one. What are the, what are like a couple of key things we can tell our goaltenders to be aware of when they're in those non-traditional like crease settings? Yeah. One, one thing that I love is the easy crease marker is drawing a crease every time you move the net because if a goalie doesn't have a crease it's it's really hard for them to know where they are especially if you're moving the nets around to to those non-traditional spots um and then making sure the goalie is starting from the goal line in the middle of the net so no matter where the play is start from the goal line and then when the play starts coming that's when you get out to toes top of the crease to get your initial angle um, especially when when you're in those non-traditional spots if you're just kind of out there following the play around you have no clue where you're at especially kids that aren't aren't used to being in those spots they don't have the sight lines it's really hard to find your space and once you get off your angle and you keep following the play you just get a little more lost Every yeah, so it's, so it's definitely my fault, right? If I don't put a crease in there and I see a goalie in his ass, whose butt is hanging outside the post, <laughs> and that's my fault, right? I'm like, how are you not in the net? He goes, I don't even know the net is. Right. Like, like you know, I'm just I'm just backing up and going forward. And if you if you think about it, and you're you're in a in a in a game situation or in a battle drill, and you're out and in and out and in, eventually you're gonna yeah. be fading off. Like, so knowing yeah. that I can't look behind me all the time, I got to be able to look and say, okay, where. Where am I real quick? Just those little, like, even if you don't have an easy crease marker, right? Just at least putting some kind of documentation of where even the posts are even like, where are you in the net? And then one thing that I always do is I, I do like a a post check where I use my stick. I tap behind me or I, I tap my gloves just so I can tell where I am, especially on those drills where I don't have any markings, but the the key thing is starting from the goal line and then coming out where most kids they won't do that unless they're told to do that laura i'm trying to think of like metaphors and other sports here and the, the only one that's kind of come to my mind like uh because you're right if you haven't played in the net this is this is almost a foreign concept right i i know the audience is understanding but my my best is kind of like if you were in the batter's box in baseball and there was no batter's box you know think about how that would change your at bat Right. And think about how baseball players, when they step up to the plate every time, what do they do? Like you said, you, you might hit the posts, you, you kind of get your bearings. Well, you know, these guys tap the plate, they move around, they put their foot right where it's supposed to be, and then they're ready to bat. What if that wasn't there? It, it would start to throw you off a little bit. Um, and I, I'm going to take a guess that most people listening have had an at bat in their life. Um, but if not, you know, like, great, jump in the crease for a minute, just see how it feels. Right. And, and even if no one shoot on you, go out and in, go out and in. And, you know, have this thought, am I still where I want to be and turn around? Um, but you're bringing up, this is why I love doing these episodes. You're bringing up a perspective of, yeah, you really need to be aware of where that net is <laughs> and you really can't look at it like really almost ever until a play stoppage. Uh, that's a whole nother side to this um, position that I, I think that we need to be raising awareness of, of especially what you said, draw a crease when you move the net. That's brilliant advice. 
that sounds obvious that I don't think a lot of people are doing, right? So let's dive into that too. Look, like we said, you're a goaltending quarter for an entire state. Um, tell us a little bit about your responsibilities with that and maybe some of the conversations you're finding that you're having on a regular basis um, with the position, with coaches, with people in the area that we should all be aware of. Um, so my responsibilities with that are putting on, you know, at least one training a year for coaches, the the bronze level or silver level course. I do this in conjunction with with their, my male counterpart. And, um, you know, we we talk to organizations. He's been doing the the coordinating a lot longer than I have. I'm new to the position. Um, this is my second full year in it. But um you know, I, I honestly would love to have more conversations with organizations. I I don't have too many people reaching out, mm. um, even asking questions about goaltending. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's an area that everyone could do better in because you have many coaches who aren't trained in, in goaltending in any way and, just having a little bit of knowledge, a little more thought that goes into the practices, including goalies and, and, you know, what they're doing or how to make them better as well as, as the rest of the players would, would be huge. And um, it's, it's definitely an area that we can all improve in. Right. So. It, de- it definitely is. I've seen it over the years when my kids played um, a lot of times the goalies were ignored, not really paid attention to, but I do appreciate the coaches who would bring in some goalie coaches for them um, and who, you know, got it. And it would take them off to the side during the first half of the practice before all the kids got together to practice with the goalies, which I really, I thought that kind of put a light, light bulb in their heads too you could see the change of them when they got that specialized coaching so would you encourage coaches who you know don't really have the time the resources to go ahead and seek out somebody who can come in and help your goalie learn the tricks of the trade yeah I think that's definitely helpful because it is such a technical position and you know you do need someone that that knows the techniques and, and, you know, little things on which leg is the most efficient to be getting up on. I don't expect any regular coach to, to know that, you know, but um, the, the big thing for me is do I have someone that's reinforcing what I'm going over in my practices? So if, you know, I'm, I'm harping on a goalie to, to start from the goal line and then come out to get their initial angle and then their head coach just doesn't even pay attention and the goalie's kind of all over the place. And then they're complaining about goals getting scored because the kid's off angle. It's like, well, are, are we reinforcing this in, in team practices? Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but that's something that I would suggest. <laughs> so here, here's where I want to go with this. And this is the, this is the analogy I use all the time with skaters is that, if I go to a professional power skating instructor for a week and I'm in a class, right. And he's great. I'm there's so many great power skating instructors and proper skating instructors and, and, you know, dynamic skating instructors. And I, and I go for a week. So I just spent $900 for my kid to be in a power skating class and they leave at the end of the week. I'm like, Oh my God, technically look at their edges. Look how they're pivoting. Look how they're turning. Look at a stick is leading. Look at all the, you know, their toes are facing the right way. And then some knucklehead like me takes the kid for the next 25 weeks and just skates him into the ground and doesn't teach skating and doesn't reinforce any of that. Aren't we just taking the $900 and burning it up? So like I, I have always like debated with parents that say, well, my kid's a goalie. He should play for free or my kid's a goalie. They should get half price. I'm like, no, no, no. we're going to charge you full price, but we're also going to get you a, an instructor with us on the ice so that what they're teaching and what I'm hearing I can now work with you when that coach isn't there. Like it's one thing to have a private coach outside. Like and and and, and Laura, we've talked about this a little bit just because of your your you know your the the way you make your living, right? Is is working with goaltenders on proper technique and proper mental preparation and proper positioning and all that kind of stuff. But if all that gets thrown out the window, wouldn't you agree that if if every time they go back to their coach, 
it's either not reinforced or it's taught differently because they're not educated, then ultimately you're just taking money for nothing. Like there's no, there's no way you can evolve with the goalie unless you have a, 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 a symbiotic relationship with the team that they're playing on. Now, goaltending might be a little less impactful because I think we'd all agree that coaches don't influence the goalie so much. They're just like, okay, well, if you're a butterfly goalie, but you know, if that's the way you're being taught, you just keep doing what you're doing. Just stop the puck. Right. Yeah. But for a forward, it's a little different, but I mean, how could you like, what are some of the, what are some of the key things you could tell your goalies, the ones you work with at the youth level, what can they do? What, what can a parent do to influence the head coach to have a conversation about, Hey, I'm working with this person. I want to make sure I'm incorporated in here. How can we make sure we're communicating together so that I'm not just paying money and, and all this time and energy for something that keeps getting, you know, taught out of me in practice. Right. Um, so I do have, you know, goalies that I see privately who go to teams and then they, they maybe have a different goalie coach on the ice with them during their team practices. They may have, you know, no goalie coach on the ice with them during their team practices. And so there's, there's kids that I, I do see consistently. And then there's some kids that, you know, I, I see when, you know, things, they, they feel like they need a tune up. Um, so one, one thing that I always take time to do after my lessons is, you know, go over what we learned on the ice, you know, make, make the kids tell me like, Hey, what are the two things that you should be focusing on? Reinforce that with the parents. Hey, if, if you see them doing this, you know, that that's our reminder of, of, you know, what we want to be looking for. And then if, if the head coach or the coach of the team, you know, wants to get in touch with me based on what they're seeing, I'm, I'm always open for that. You know, the, the more I can work with coaches and, and reinforce things, the better. Um, if, if they're working with other goalie coaches, my, my main thing to, to the kids is, you know, there's, there's never one right way to do something. So you know, they may hear me say something. It's because I think it's going to help them. I'd like them to try it. You know, if it works and they like it, great. If, you know, it doesn't work for them and they hate it, that that's totally fine too. Um, but, you know, especially at the young age, it, it can get confusing when they're hearing a lot of different voices mm -hmm. and they're like, well, my goalie coach told me to do this. And, you know, it's like, well, that's great, but it's, is it working for you? And, and that's always my question if if someone, you know, kind of gives me a little pushback on on some uh, suggestion that I made. It's like, well, is it working? Because we have to, you know, te teach goalies to actually, like, teach themselves a little bit, too, because they're the ones out there. They know what they're seeing. They know how it feels and, and what's going to work and what doesn't. It's always going to be different depending on the goalie. So I guess we'll refer back to the communication piece exactly <laughs> with with your paid coach your volunteer mom or dad and the parent right and the athlete and knowing you know where you are in your age but that's where you know i think even this eight-year-old can have a discussion about where what what they're doing in practice compared to games and how they're being taught at home or with a private instructor or their coach right just what feels comfortable and what are you what are the what's the language you're using so that we're like, you know, you might, uh, Laura, you might say T push, I might say T glide. And to an eight year old, that's a whole different, like th those could be whole different things. Like they don't know, like, where are you going with this? It's like, it's like coaches that talked about, you know, hey, you got to get that puck on the strong side. And I got players that go, well, I, I think the strong side is where the puck is. Well, I think the strong side is where the puck isn't. Okay, well, we got to have a common, we have to have common, you know, definitions, right? So I think that's one of the, one of the pieces we can do for our youth hockey goalies is to make sure we have common phrases and, and, and definitions of what we're talking about. Mike, I, I think you brought this up earlier too, but he's laughing, Laura, because we talk about communication as a problem almost all the time, right? The lack of communication is always the problem. Uh, but Mike, you brought up the word symbiotic before, and I think that that's a great kind of direction I to did. go in here. Yeah, I think it's a big word that's... for me to bring up. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I might have well, been, I might have brought it up. You, you Connecticut people. No, I'm just kidding. You, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and and, and I, I think that's a great way of looking at it because look, 
if you can create an egoless, which is hard environment with your uh, on ice practices, right? And I know coaches, this can be tough when parents are pressuring, sometimes even players are pressuring, this is what you should do. This is what we should do. But when you look at it, and, and, and you know, Lars bringing this point up too, it behooves you to know what your goaltenders are doing and vice versa. Because A, let's talk about just bottom lines here. You're probably going to put yourself in a better position to win if everybody's on the same page. I mean, I'm not, not probably, you will. Um, the other thing too is they feed into each other. You know, I remember um, coaching with a pro team uh, and we, we were very blessed to have by far the best goalie in the league. Um, and we didn't rest on that. We used it as a tool of if we have the best goalie in the league, that means our players are practicing against the best goalie. So we're going to structure our practices in a way that's going to a challenge the goalie, but we're going to make our players better shooters and potentially better defenders uh, by utilizing this person's skill set. Uh, and we communicated that to the goalie because he would have been super pissed if we didn't. Right. Just that we're, it would have looked like we're just trying to, to screw him in net all the time. Right. With with hard drills. But the team got better, and we had uh, one of the most spread out scoring teams in the league that year. Our players all got better. But that symbiotic relationship between the positions existed, and you know the rising tide lifted all ships in that scenario, right? So whether you have a great goaltender or not, the point is players can help goalies, goalies can help players, and it's on the coach to understand, as you both said earlier, you're the goaltending coach. If there's no goaltending coach there, either way, you can create environments where everyone's uh, ability will get better. Even if it's an environment, Laura, I'm just throwing it back to you, where you have a different kid in net every week if, at, at the younger levels, right? But but I, I'm just, I'm kind of throwing the question out there. There's no judgment here. It's just how many of us are doing that? How many of us are approaching our practices with a complete awareness of there is someone in net and there needs to be, Mike, to use your word, a symbiotic relationship between uh, netminders and and skaters. Laura, sorry, just throwing that back to you for your thoughts. I think you you nailed it. You know, if you're only as good as as your practices are are preparing you to be, so you know, if if you want to have a successful team that's you know growing and developing, like you you need to at least think about every position that's on the team and, and everyone will get better because of it. I think, yeah. I think I remember when I was uh, watching Laura coach and, and especially at the pro level that, you know, she was really conscious about, you know, me or anybody designing a drill, like that doesn't allow the goalie to finish being a goalie. And I think we, we do that all the time at the youth hockey level where oh, yeah. we expect our goalies to make saves and track pucks and stay with plays and battle. But then our practices, we don't allow them to track pucks or battle or make saves and track pucks because th th it's too fast. Like there's just another puck gets in there and then there's another play. So Laura, maybe you could talk real quick about that, about, you know, when you're designing those practices, we want them to look like the game, right? We can't expect our goalie to, you know, make screenshot saves if we never have screenshot opportunities yeah. you know we can't Especially allow if they're we can't, not warmed up <laughs> yeah well lord <laughs> don't, don't even mention my don't mention my pregame stuff lord but if it, if but if, you know you gotta take care of your goaltenders and listen to them right make sure you're you hear what your goaltenders say like this is what i need to get ready i know you want to do this but this is what i need okay well then let's let's work around what you need but and then i'm going to tell you what i need and then we're going to work that out. But I think, Laura, just real, just maybe talk to that a little bit about, you know, how important it is to put goaltenders. They can't just take shots from the top of the circle, right? That they just, you know, they, again, there's a there's a time and a place for tracking in in like um, in block drills, right? But then there's a time yeah. and a place where goalies have to actually learn to react and play and battle. But then we have to allow that battle to get all the way to the end where they make a save. Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I see is is the pace of the drills. And coaches don't want kids standing around in line, so then they just, you know, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. But at, at the end of the day, you're, you're not allowing the goalies to follow the play. Say the play starts with a pass. Even having the goalie, you know, start from the post every time, coming out, following it. The players, they need to be able to take a shot and then crash the net for the rebound, you know, you don't have to play it 
all the way out if it's if it's taking forever but allow that the little bit of time for for a battle there stopping in front of the net creating those good habits it's not only helping your goalie it's helping your team because right. if you're doing drills where you're just ripping a puck and then peeling off to go back in line like that's not training your players to have good habits either yeah, right, right. I always see that with coaches all the time. Like, I can't, I can't believe I can't get my, I can't get my girls or I can't get my players to drive to the net. Well, every drill you have is they shoot and they go to a line. So, <laughs> so, but you know, if you do that right. and you're doing that for 40 weeks, so I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like, if you want your goaltenders to be better and your forwards to get better, you can do both by design, by maybe slowing your practices down a little bit, slowing the drill down a little bit. You know, it could be just as intense, right? right? But just making it look more like the game. Well, we, we talk about this too, Mike, about the purpose of a drill versus just doing the drill. And, and you know, we raised this question on the show before. Would you rather do eight drills okay or five drills well, right? Where there's an understanding of why you're doing the drill and it's not just shooting and going to the to the corner to get in line again. And again, different age groups, this is tough. When you're eight, you know, you're thinking about Fortnite more than you're thinking about what you're trying to do there. So like, you know, I'm, I'm understanding of that to a point. but um, the real meaning behind a drill, the understanding of a goaltender's positioning and what they need to do to, to you know, and, and I've seen this before, Larry, you know, goal, goalies like to have a second to kind of collect their thoughts on what just happened sometimes, especially if the puck goes in the net. Um, and I'm not saying it's every time. They don't need 10 minutes, but give them a second. <laughs> give them a second to get their bearings, understand, okay, because I, I have to work on moving my positioning different for the next time that that happens. Um, that extra second or two can be very valuable, I'm assuming, for a goaltender, right? Instead of, hey, the next shot's coming, get up, get up. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll see that too. Um, you know, a, a goalie will get scored on, and then the next couple of shots are, are goals too if they don't have that that time to reset. Even if it's just like let them take a deep breath, let it out, okay, let, let's do the next, next rep because that is a – like a, a mental reset that goalies need. And it's right. a, a huge skill. You know, you see NHL goalies, they get scored on, they, they go for a skate, they spray their water bottle. Right. And you can't do that for, you know, every goal you give up in practice. But if, especially if you see like a few going in in a row, like take a pause, let the goalie, you know, have, have that mental reset. And then, you know, it, they'll, they'll uh, be better because of it. I mean, that's such a great point, right? If I'm a defenseman and I get just toasted, I get to go to the corner and stew on it until my, until the other eight defensemen go, right? I get, I get right. plenty of time to be like to reset. Like I got to go, okay, well, I actually just forgot about that already. You know, it didn't bother me, but if you're a goalie, you don't get to forget about it. Cause the other one just went right past your shoulder. And then another one went off the back of your head. Then the other one got another kid shot a puck out of the corner and hit you in the back. So I think it's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, be really, if you're a coach, be aware of where your goaltender is and right. say, okay, let's stop the drill, get a drink of water. Or maybe you could even fake it right. By saying, Hey, we want to work on this certain technique. Let your goalie have that, that breath. Let right. them go. And then, but, but we have to teach them to, Hey, when I bring the kids, when I bring the guys in or I bring the team in, you need to now go and reset. Like you, that's your cue. Like you need to initiate that. Mike, and then Mike, not, not just coach, learn how to do it. I mean, this is a player responsibility too. Like, like I, I, will, I am and was a center. Um, I will not, unless the ref is really rushing me, I will not come to the dot until I know my goaltender is ready. Um, especially right. after a goal. I've, and I see this all the time. A goal scored, you know, you're amped up. You want to go because you don't want to be sitting in the misery for too long. And I see centers rush to the dot and the goalie is not ready right now. Now the referee is obviously supposed to be on that too, but coaches, you can tell your centers, don't go to that dot until you know, your goaltender is ready no matter where the face off is. And yeah. um, I always try even, even in the defensive zone, I'm sorry, especially in the defensive zone, but even in the offensive zone, I'll always kind of just peek back and make sure they're set um cuz i'd get mad if if my teammates were just rushing face-offs and i needed a second um okay. and and, I, and lastly i'll say this most refs officials if you say my goalie needs a second they're going to take the second i i don't i don't think i've ever had a ref rush me when i said my 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 goaltender's not ready right um but it, it it's on players and coaches mike so i i wasn't trying to cut you off I'm just saying that, that, you know, this is a responsibility of the whole team to make sure that the goal, and I'm, Laura, I'm assuming the goalie would appreciate that, that the teammates are also, you know, aware that I'm not ready yet. 
Yeah, de- definitely. Every, everyone likes to feel some goalie love. Right. No, that's <laughs> great. And that's a, that's that a great t-shirt. point. <laughs> that, that's, that's a great point though. Just, just be aware, you know, Hey, listen, yeah. especially in a game, right? The goal got scored. You can't ever, you can't take a timeout every time a goal scored, you only get one. So make, you know, manufacture that time, you know, just get, get your players to understand it, you know, teach your goalie how to, unbuckle a strap every now and then or you know just 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 get you, know, you, know, you heard just, it here just, folks mike finelli's that guy no i'm just kidding well the right. problem is you can't do it's hard to do it anymore with these new pads right because everything's right. velcro so it's like <laughs> hey, what happened to that, that, that velcro yeah. can't just come off on its own oh i gotta fix the strap but i think it's just but i think i think but that's a that's a mental reset that's a really great opportunity but laura would you agree that that players don't know if you unless you teach them that most don't know it like 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 a like a ten right. year old kid's not gonna know to even do that. So, but if you teach them those, you know th- that strategy and say, hey, you know that do you know that in eight seconds you can reset your whole mental, right. you know, right. outlook of the game. Well, how do I do that? Okay, well let's work on that, and then and then we can then we can evolve that as as a player gets older. I I definitely agree. It's it's just you know talking to kids about being good teammates especially checking in on your goalie, whether it's, you know, a, a stick tap to the pads, a pat on the back, something that, you know, lets you know that you're supported. Um, that, that goes a long way. Yeah. I, I, look, I would say too, as a skater, um, if you're on the ice for a goal against, think about how you feel. Almost every skater will blame themselves uh, if they're accountable or just feel bad that the goal went. How do you think the goalie feels? I mean, and Mike, you said it, you get most of the time you're coming off the ice, you're going to sit there for a few minutes uh, and get a chance to reset. Uh, tenders have no chance. It's you got to get out. You got to go. So, so Laura, I want to. Yeah, or it could be, or it could be like Zach Wilson of the Jets and just say, I don't know. I did my part. It was the defense. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm not accountable. Like I'm not accountable for this goaltender being bad. That's his. Problem. No, I in team. Ain't no we either. Right. Uh, and Laura, I, I have a, a question for you about after a game. Advice for parents of, you know, your kid comes off the ice, the goalie. They feel it was their fault. They lost the game. They're going to feel that way. You, that's they just do. That's what they do. They put the weight of the game on their shoulders all the time. I see it. Um, what is it that you should not say as a parent if your kid feels just <laughs> awful after the game, or maybe they yep. even got pulled? You're right, son. That was your fault. The, yeah. <laughs> don't <laughs> say that. I know, but I hear them. Oh, please. Don't nick. Well, don't, don't don't nick. Don't nickname him Siv. <laughs> one of my goalie partners in college uh used her father used to say he should have put a lawn chair in the net because it would make more oh, saves than her brutal. and, and it, it was a funny <laughs> thing you know when we were in college uh, that that we would joke about but um the main thing is take the goalie's lead you know you you get in the car sometimes you just dread getting in the car with your parents because mm. you don't want them to say anything about the game. Like you, especially if it's a game where you felt like you did not play your best, you know, the goalies need to know that they, they're loved no matter what, you know, it doesn't matter the outcome of the game. You're, you're playing for, for the passion, the love of the game. Sometimes, you know, you have a great game. Sometimes you don't. But at the end of the day, you need to know that your parents are, are still supporting you no, no matter what. And if the goalie wants to talk about it, great. But if, if they don't want to talk about it, you know, that's okay, too. And they may bring it up eventually. But those moments right after the game, they're so raw and they can be so painful that, you know, sometimes they just need space to process. Yeah, we did a great episode called the car ride is not for coaching and that I always (laughs) encourage parents to to listen to. And we talked about that is that, you know, one of the things that I I tell my kids before they play is it doesn't, I don't care what happens out there today. I'm going to love you no matter what, after the game, no matter what happens. Um, I want them to feel safe in that space. I don't want them to have any fear of disappointing me in that way. Right. Um, And I think you're right about taking the lead. We've said this It might, as soon as the kid's off the ice, he is not thinking about hockey. And and I think one of the biggest failures I make, and I'll be vulnerable with this, is like I want I I'm a coach. I want to discuss the game, and I have to really shut myself up of do not talk about, even if you had a good game, do not talk about it. It's it's about having fun at his age. Um, and as you said, as you get older, you got to take the lead from the player. They're already beating themselves up. 
<laughs> or yeah, or they know they they, they know yeah, if they played yeah. great or, or they didn't play if they didn't play well but i, I want to get i want to get this in laura because i think I, I try to ask this to any professional goalie coach that we get a chance to talk with but when is it or is it the opportunity uh when you have when you have two goalies now we're talking like 12 you 14 you 16 you and i hear all the parents and they're shopping around for teams and all these parents want their kids to play in a team that's only them like they i want my kid to be the goalie like, oh, we have another goalie or he has to compete with somebody or, you know, well, is he going to get more of the playing time than less of the playing time? What are some of the things you could like, what are some strategies or advice you would give? Um, I know what my feeling is on this, but just, you know, when you go to a team and you talk about, you know, supporting, I mean, one of the biggest support structures is your teammate and the best teammate that can support you is the one that understands maybe you the most is another goaltender. Um, so what are, what you know, what are some of the things that you've seen in the pros and cons of having like a single goalie system, a two goalie system where they're competing against each other or like a hierarchy of, okay, here's my, here's my starting goalie. And here's the kid that's paying the rest of the bill. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a difference when you're looking at, you know, youth level versus high school and and things like that. Um, my biggest advice to parents is where are they going to get the most growth and development? Because if, if they're the only goalie on a team, but that team doesn't pay any attention to them, they're not getting any extra goalie support. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe the team's great and the, the goalie's not facing any shots. Maybe the team's terrible and, and they're just getting shelled. Um, you know, that's that's one thing that I would look at is what are they doing for the goalie and their development? I'm a huge fan of a two goalie system just because you have that that person that understands what you're going through. Um, you have that competition factor, whether, you know, it is for playing time or it's just pushing each other to be better. I feel that goalies who are by themselves, there's no one there really holding them accountable. So, you know, they could be lazy, they could do whatever they want, and they're still going to play all the time, every single game. But it's also a lot of pressure, too, because, you know, they're having to play through sickness, they're playing through injuries in practice, they're practicing reps when they're tired, and then their form gets sloppy. So, I I'm never an advocate for a single goalie on a team to be yeah, honest. And I'm, I, and I'm always fighting with parents. Like they're like, Oh, I, I, I can get on this team and he'll be the starter. I'm like, yeah, but like it, it, reality is going to strike in. Like when I, I love watching like the end of college hockey games and pro games, when the first person off the bench after a great game is the other goalie, like the first person coming there and hugging that goalie or giving the high five or, 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 or showing this great emotion is the competition or, you know, or whoever that might be. And I think that's, to me, that's like the healthiest part of, of having great teammates like that is that you can compete and, and fight. Like I know, I'm sure Laura, right. When you played at at the college and pro level, if you had somebody in a small area game competing against you, that elevated your game. That's like, I'm not letting the goal in. You can let a goal in, but I'm not letting the goal in. And that now becomes a really big fight as opposed to well it doesn't really matter if I let a goal in because I'm playing anyway this other kid's not good and and I think that that you know and and I think and that really I think affects the players as well in the way they play in front of certain people and and you know how they react to when a certain goalie's in the net like when they think one goalie is more competitive than the other or one goalie is not as you know is not going to hurt them as much as the other you just play differently so I think it's just, you know, so I think I, I I love that. I mean, I'm a two goalie person, but, you know, I just think that that competition piece is really important. So I think it was, it's it's probably, Mike, you, know, you know, just advice for parents not yeah. to go look for the place where you're going to play 80 games and practice every day by yourself because some coach told you, oh, no, 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 you're my guy and you're going to yeah. be the only goalie we have. I, I think about the broad advice we've been given in the past and, and you know, a lot of people we've interviewed and, and ourselves have always said, well, you have to go where it's right for you right now in a development sense. And I think it's true for the goaltending position too. Like sometimes you might need a confidence year. Sometimes you might need a year where you're overly challenged and maybe the team's not so good, but you got to find what's right for your development. 
And like most things, you know, things in moderation are good. You're probably not going to be the starting number one best goaltender in the league for 16 years in a row. Uh, and, and parents, while you might want that, uh, it's not a reality, right? So I would look at it, and, and Laura, you tell us if you agree. Again, the, we, appro- we approach the skater with this mentality of you have to find the right development level for that player at that time, meet them where they're at. I'm assuming that's true for goaltending as well, correct? Yes, it's it's definitely true. And one thing I do want to mention um, is the prevalence of injuries in goalies. Mm. You know, you see hip problems, knee problems. So if if you're constantly, you know, the only goalie on a team facing every single shot in practice, every right. single shot in games, you know, it's it's fine when you know for when you're young, but the, the more wear and tear you have on, on your hips and your knees and joints, your longevity isn't going to be as long. And so that's one thing that I try to be mindful of, even in my, my private lessons is not, not always making the goalies drop down in, you know, their butterfly or a seal on the post, just because I I'm thinking about their hip health as well. That's a great point. I don't think we take into account enough and look, even at the, even at the professional level, uh, very few goaltenders have played most of the season, right? I, and when I say most, I mean 78, 79 games. It, it has happened, uh, but they also have the greatest medical people on the planet typically with them. And it's it's a little bit of a different situation. You got to think about the health. Uh, speaking of health, Laura, this, this is going to be my last question. Um, I'm a big proponent of mental health, mental fitness. Um and I think that no position on the ice um, has to champion that more than the goaltender. So could you just tell us a little bit maybe about from your own experience, uh, what you do to practice your own mental fitness or how how you get yourself mentally reset um, when you have to and how important that is to the position? It is one of the biggest parts of the position. Um, you'll see great goalies who mentally once they get scored on, you know, it, it becomes floodgates sometimes if, if they're not able to reset. So me personally, I, I've always been like huge on the, the mental side of the game. Um, just focusing on different activities where I'm, I'm focused on being present in the moment. So for me, yoga was huge. Um, I didn't start doing it until I was out of college but if I had found that earlier, I think it definitely would have benefited me in my career. Um, I'm currently also going to school for sports psychology because it is a passion of mine. So I'm working on my master's right now. Um, but just implementing that into, you know, your team culture, even even when kids are young, they can they can understand, you know, some some sort of mindfulness and even if it's for a goalie, what's what I call an anchor, you know, after you get scored on developing a routine to, to reset and it's, it's time to let that goal go and, and refocus on what's coming next. You know, I, I always tap both posts, hit my gloves together and then kind of hunch over with my elbows on my knees. And then once that puck drops, you know, it's, it's a new game, but mm. um, there's every goalie can develop their own, little anchor that that helps them reset and i i think that's huge i that's a fantastic answer and, and i couldn't agree with you more especially the part about how younger athletes can learn mindfulness really f- from the start uh it's not something you have to be uh older to understand and while younger players have a much harder time staying present it's a completely normal thing you can start to introduce them to to you know, very base meditation, yoga, and things like that from the start. And I think it, I think it helps everybody. Um, you know, I, I use goaltenders as a source of inspiration for myself. You know, if a puck goes in the net, I'm like, well, you know what? He or she's got to get back up. I got to get back up too. Like, that's my anchor, right? <laughs> Is using that. But uh, Laura, this has been really informative. I was going to say, Christy, Mike, do you have anything else before we uh, close this oh, one out? That's fantastic. I love the resetting tips. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen our goal. Now I know what that was. She hits the post, and then she hits the post, and then she hunkers down. So that's a resetting yeah. trick, right? Yeah. Now yeah. I know. And I didn't a, even know that. A lot of goalies <laughs> do the, the post. <laughs> they spray their water up, and they watch the droplets 
um, go down, you'll, mm. you'll see that commonly, but that's just, you know, focusing and like even vision tracking on that. So you now going to pay a little closer attention to those resetting <laughs> techniques. Yeah. So. They're not just being that weird. Was. Yeah. That's very cool. I love I was that. Just thing. All those crazy things we think they're doing, they're not. They're just getting <laughs> set again. Like yeah. It makes sense. And yoga, thank you for bringing that up. Our uh, girls high school hockey team incorporated that during their off-ice training and what a world of difference that made. So I highly encourage that. Yeah. Fantastic advice. Yeah. Thank my, you my, my son's phys ed teacher during the pandemic, it had the kids doing yoga. It was like a star Wars yoga or something like that. You know, these are <laughs> eight year olds and, but it didn't, it doesn't, it, it could be fun, right? It doesn't have to be like, yeah. think about yoga. Like, Oh my God, you got to get yoga mat. You got to get yoga yeah. pants and you got to do the whole thing. So I said, you know, just like, I think it, I think it a matter of, you know, just, learning how to do these little pieces of mindfulness and and just yeah. kind of meditation doesn't have to be like a formal thing it could be just something right. you build into habits of the kids and i think that's a great uh you know a great way to introduce it is through fun uh but also then you start expanding it right as you get older you find ways that it's helping you and then you actually see the results yeah. right and then like to laura your point like if you would have been introduced to that earlier you know those results that you're seeing now and in, in your in your pro career you said, oh, wow, if I would have been doing that, preparing for this and that and this, who who knows where it would have helped me day to day. Right. But I, I think we should mention, too, that these techniques we're talking about are not limited to just children. Mike, as you as you said, you're never too young or too old to learn present moment awareness uh, and have it impact your life. Life in a positive way. Is that a, are you? Are you? Are you referencing me? I, no, I'm talking okay. to everyone, Mike. I'm talking to this show is your present moment awareness. I, I, no, I, no, I, but, I, I yeah. do a lot of mindfulness. Trust me. I, I, I'd be I know a lot do. more bitter at, right now if I didn't do that. Hey, li listen. I didn't <laughs> discover this until my 30s, and I'm I'm thankful for it every single day. So my, my point is, right. as Laura said, it's never too late to to find this stuff. It'll help you in any everything you're doing: parenting, coaching, work. Uh, I think present moment awareness is is a gift. If you can even discover it and understand, be aware of it, that is a huge step forward in in anyone's life. Um, and to kind of round this out, Laura, goaltenders have to have that from the start or some form of that. Um, and that and that is uh, that is what makes goaltenders so great. Laura, you've been fantastic guest. We can't thank you enough for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for being here. And uh, again, we're doing these episodes, Our Kids Play Goalie, monthly here. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to ask one of our guests like Laura a question, email us at team at ourkidsplayhockey.com. Laura, forgive me for this. Why don't you tell everybody where they can they can find you or follow you uh, as well, just because they want to follow you directly. Um, my I have a website. It's thegoaliepad.net. And you can reach out to me there. Click on... Um, contact and and that's the best way to reach me i also want to note that dot net is usually frowned upon but this may be the greatest <laughs> application of dot net in the history of the web so that, that is that. why i chose it so <laughs> brilliant. It, it made sense that's brilliant it usually gets a groan or an eye roll but that one makes a lot of sense so uh it was the goaliepad.net right laura brennan uh with us today again email us team at ourkidsplayhockey.com you can visit us at ourkidsplayhockey.com for every single episode we've ever done including the our kids play goalie episodes but uh, above all audience want to thank you for being here thank you for listening we know many of you have skaters and not goaltenders but we get better when we do this together so for christy Cassiano Burns and Mike Vanelli and Laura Brennan. I'm Lee Elias. We'll see you on the next episode of Our Kids Play Goalie. Take care, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.